Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. So this morning we're going to finish up our little series called Different. It's been a study of First Peter. And I say we're going to finish it up, which is kind of funny. I never got out of chapter 2. I never got out of chapter 2, and I really have to finish. We've got to finish this little book. It's five chapters. And so we're going to come back over uh, sometime after the first of the year. And we, uh, so the title of the next series is going to be To Be Continued. That was Jonathan's idea. Don't look at me like that. It's all his fault. <laughs> I thought it was going to be awesome. But we've got, so really all I've done the, the last, you know, three weeks and, and today is just laying a foundation for you. It's kind of laying this foundation, and we're going to get, like, into some really sweet stuff. And I was going to say, the best is yet to come. Well, it's all good, right? So you got to have the foundation. You build on the foundation, then you get some really sweet stuff. And so I'm pretty excited about uh, first year. To be continued, it's going to be awesome. Here's a pic of my two girls when they were just babies. Is that awesome or what? Come on. What's wrong with y'all? Clap. Woo! Those are the most, like, two precious, most beautiful babies you've ever seen. Some of you are thinking right now you thought you had pretty babies. And now you're thinking, man, my kids are, like, ugly, you know, compared to that. <laughs> okay, you're not thinking that. Yeah, I mean, they're like, I loved, I remember what it was like to rock them. Oh, I love that, you know? And we had this great big old chair that Karen finally made me take to the dump, and it was a big, huge, lazy boy. You know what I'm talking about? Big, huge, bulky chair. And it was awesome. And I would just get those kids, and, and, and they'd snuggle up. And, and then, you know, when they were even older, they would still run and get and jump in their daddy's laps. And, and, and we, would, we would just, man, we'd just rock. Oh, my gosh. I loved I love being a dad. I absolutely love being a dad. I love being a dad when I had babies. I love being a dad today. All my family, all my family are serving today. Karen was a group over here, first and second service. Both of my girls, Emily and Katie, are next door serving in children's ministry. It don't get any better than that, folks. Come on. Now, you know, you clap. You just don't know how far we've come. My kids do have my blood in them. They may have strayed a little bit over the years. Okay, they strayed a lot over the years, but they made it back home, and, and, and it's just awesome. My youngest, just so you know, she's pregnant. I'm going to be a granddad. Can you imagine me as a granddad? I'm going to sugar those kids up. Like, we're going to buy boxes of cake and cookies, and I'm taking them home. And they're going to name the child, with, if, it's, if it's boy or girl, right, Dylan? They're going to name it after me. If it's a little girl, it's going to be Scottina. <laughs> okay, it's not going to be Scottina. I think it would be awesome, though, don't you? Yeah. Scottina. I might even get a T-shirt. I'm the proud grandparent of Scottina. I don't know. Babies are awesome. 
They're absolutely awesome. And we love to hold them and we love to cuddle with them. Let's just be honest. Babies are selfish. I mean, they really are. So you don't know to laugh at that or not. It's kind of a nervous laugh right there, wasn't it? I mean, look at a baby. It's all about them, is it not? I mean, their, their whole world, it's just everybody's world revolves around them. If they're wet or if they've pooped in their diaper, they'll scream until you change it. I kind of get that. You know, I mean, I, I kind of get that. If, if they're hungry or they want to be held, they'll scream until somebody meets that need. I mean, really, it's just all about them. And so Peter says in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, get this, like newborn babies, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Grow up in your salvation. Why? Because here's the thing. You have, you've tasted the Lord. You've had that taste of Jesus. You've had that taste of what a relationship with God really looks like. And because you've had that taste, you understand that he is good. And so you should just want more Jesus. Y'all with me? So if you're a new believer, you're a baby. Jesus said it like this in John 3, verse 5. He said, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. He said, flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. He said, you shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you, you must be born again. So when we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, it's a phenomenal story. It really, really is that, that God would send his Son Jesus, and that Jesus would willingly go to the cross, and on the cross, the, the whole point of the cross, the purpose of the cross was so that Jesus literally would die, that he would shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. Hello? Is that like, like the most awesome thought you've ever had in all your life? Then on the third day, he was raised from the dead, and when you accept that, when you believe that, and believing, honestly, you're halfway there. That's awesome. But it's more than just believing the right stuff. In fact, sometimes I think people that go to church, it can be a trap that I just believe the right stuff. Therefore, I must be a Christian. It's easy. It's simple. God made it simple. But it's more than just a, a beliefism. It is about a full surrender of your life. To Jesus. And when that happens, you're born again. You have a new citizenship, and we're now citizens of heaven. So we're just strangers here. This is not our home. We've talked about this just about every single week. In fact, if you're going to do a study of Peter, then you've pretty much got to, got to deal with that, right? Because he talks about it over and over and over again. In fact, just what we talked about last week, that this, this is just our home away from home. And we shouldn't be comfortable here. So if you feel weird here as a follower of Jesus, if sometimes you look around and you think, you know what, this doesn't just, it doesn't feel quite right. It's okay. We're not supposed to be at home here because this is just our home away from home. We have an eternity. We have a place called heaven. You are a new baby in Christ. And babies are cute and babies are sweet. But when you're 30 and you're sterilizing like a baby, you ain't cute or sweet. Hello. Y'all didn't see that coming, did you? 
I'm just saying that, that babies need to grow. I had a revelation as I was preparing for this message. My revelation was that, you know what? Growing old is not an option. That's why y'all pay me the big bucks. You said, we pay you big bucks? Ah, well, no. Anyway, growing old is not an option, but growing up is an option. And that's why Peter says in verse 1, he says, Therefore, therefore, rid yourselves. Rid yourselves. This, this translation that I use says malice. Rid yourselves of all kinds of evil behavior, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. <laughs> so growing up is all about getting rid of the sin that's in your life. No, he's not talking about forgiveness. I want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying this morning. He's not talking about forgiveness. When, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all sin for all time. You understand that. When I asked Jesus to save me, really my intention, my thought was, I want you to save me from all my past sin, all my present sin. I didn't even, I wasn't smart enough then to think or contemplate that, that I would need forgiveness of my future sin. But then I woke up the next morning after my salvation experience and realized I still got sin in my life. And so the blood of Jesus covers all that. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about perfection. But I am talking about a sensitivity to sin. As followers of Jesus, there should be a sensitivity to sin. And there should be this desire on our part, even on this side of heaven. Not because we have to work our way to God, we're trying to earn God's love. It's not about that. It's because we're so amazed at the unconditional love and mercy and grace of God, that we want to do the very best that we can to get rid of all of the sin that's in our lives. We've been forgiven, but we want to rid ourselves of. So he says, all deceit, all hypocrisy. Literally in the Greek, that's what it reads. All deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander of every kind. And I think he says all. Because no matter how much you've tried to get rid of that sin, how many people know that you'll still find more tomorrow? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like going to the beach. Let's play old school. I mean, new school people, we go to the beach, we got chairs. We got fancy chairs. You know what I'm talking about? You got chairs you can pull. You got chairs that's got little straps on them so you can put them on, carry like a little backpack. You got coolers in them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Let's go old school. I'm talking about you're going to go to the beach, you're going to spend a day at the beach and all you got is your little backpack, or you got that 10-gallon bag that Karen carries that's got all the stuff I want. We don't want to carry. And then you just got a towel. And is it just me, but I've never seen a towel big enough for me? Hello? Am I? Like, you roll it out and you go, really? Like, that's all you got? Like, I need a queen size, you know, at least a queen size. This is, not even, this is not even a twin. This is not even a single. I need, I need something bigger. Now, let's just say you spend the whole day at the beach, okay? And so periodically you're getting up, you're going to the ocean, you know, you're washing 
uh, you're washing some sand off and you're cooling down and you come back and you reapply, you know, all of your sunscreen and, and then you just lay down and, and of course every now and again you have to get up and you got to shake your towel because the sand just gets on it, right? The wind blows and it's just a mess. At the end of the day, at the end of the day you pack everything up. Let's say you spent six, seven, eight hours at the beach. You go home and when you get home, what do you do? <clears throat> you take all your stuff off, you take your shoes off, and then you try to beat all the sand out of it that you can. You put your clothes in a washing machine, and you turn on the washing machine, and then you, you get in the shower. And how many folks know that you can get out of the shower and still find sand in cracks and crevices? I probably shouldn't have said it quite like that. But y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I know I'm talking about like between your toes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, between your toes. And then, you know, you take that pair, you, so you put the clothes in the washing machine, and then, and then you dry them, and then you put, you know, put that bathing suit back on, or maybe you put that pair of pants back on, and you reach in your pockets. What do you got? And so you're thinking, I thought I got rid of all that sand. That's kind of the way it is with sand, isn't it? And so we're doing everything we can to get rid of it, no matter how much you get rid of. Paul says, this is, what he, this is what Peter says. He says, you know what? But in spite of everything, no matter how much you get rid of, there's always going to be more waiting on you tomorrow. Folks, let's just be honest. Life is not a game to be played. Life is a war to be waged. It's not a game to be played. It's a war to be waged. You have an active enemy. You have an active enemy who wants to destroy you, and he doesn't care what the sin is. So don't, don't think that there's like big sins, little sins. He doesn't care what sin he uses with you. And so we could take some big sins, and it might be addiction, it might be drugs, it might be alcohol, it might be pornography, it might be sex. It could be those things. It could be the little white lies that you tell, the, the, the lies that you tell to build yourself up because you don't have a self-esteem at all, and you're broken, and you're afraid if people knew who you really were, then, then if they knew, then they wouldn't love you, they wouldn't like you very much. And so you put on this, this pretense, and we looked at Paul. I mean, Peter literally says, get rid of that. Get rid of that. We have an enemy. He doesn't care what the sin is. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter to him what your sin is. He doesn't want you to walk in the wind of God's calling or, the light, or, or to walk with the light of Jesus in your eyes or to walk with the power of the Holy Spirit at your back. He's coming after you, just so you know. He's coming after you. He wants you. He wants to take you down. He doesn't care what the sin is. So he's going to come after your family. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants you to be addicted. He doesn't care what you're addicted to. He just wants you addicted to something. He wants you dependent on something. Maybe it's somebody. He wants you addicted and dependent on anything other than God himself. He wants you to be in despair. He wants you to be depressed. He wants you to live like a little baby, and just live totally for yourself. So he wants you to hang on to all your malice, all your evil thoughts, all your evil behavior. He wants you to hang on to your envy, to your jealousy, to your self-pity, your whatever sin. And then Peter, it's, it's this beautiful thing. Immediately, immediately, he pivots to the analogy of the house that we looked at last week. 
So in verse 5, here's what he says. You also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house. I love this analogy. And so one stone gets stacked next to another stone. Y'all have that image in your house. You've You've seen a brick house, right? You've seen a, a brick wall, a rock wall. And so what you see is you see one stone, and, 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 and maybe that stone is, is just put on top of another stone, strategically placed on top of another stone. And then there's a, there's a stone that's on one side and then the other side, and then, and then there's another collection of rocks that go on top of that. So you're just one stone surrounded by a bunch of other stones. So he's saying that we need to get rid of and we need to grow. And it, what, he, he said, here's how you do it. So here's how you do it. We don't grow alone. We need each other to grow. I need you and you need me. We, we need each other. We need each other's prayers. I, I know I talked about this last week, right? Now, why, why are you saying it again? I didn't want to, just to be honest. I, I argued with the Holy Spirit all week. I said, can't we talk about something else? I talked about that last week. And they're going to say, well, he must have been kind of short and have much time to study, and so he's just going to talk about the same thing. That's not it. It's important that we understand that we, that we need each other, that, that we need accountability, that we need people praying for us. I want people praying for us. And you know what? We've, I forget about that sometimes. That Sometimes a religious world doesn't see it that way. For example, I was at the gym a few weeks ago, and, and I remember uh, as a person, they don't go to Springwell, and, and I'd been praying for them. And so I saw them at the gym, and so I said, I said, hey, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. They stepped back and said, what are you praying for me for? And I thought, oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. I forgot. I forgot. I don't live in that world. I don't live in your world. So I don't live in your world at all. I, I live in a different world. See, I... The, my people, you know, my, the people I pastor are, are humble people. And so when I tell somebody, you know, I'm, just so you know you're on my prayer list, I pray for you every day. And, and so when I, tell, when I tell people that, I mean, there's like, there's like a tear in their eye. And, and they say, oh, my gosh, you mean really? Out of, out of your busy day, out of everything you got going on, you mean to tell me that you stop and that you think about me? You actually think about me? I do. And so those people go, thank you. I can't believe it. I'm so appreciative. See, we need each other. Religious people don't need each other. Religious people are trying to put on a, a, a false pretense about who they are, that they've got it all together. The rest of us, we know that we desperately that we need each other. That's how iron sharpens iron. So certainly one key to setting aside all those things, getting rid of all that sin. Ah, I should have put this on the screen. A key to that is who you're seated beside. Think about it. <laughs> Write that down. It'll get good to you this afternoon. You'll go, woo! Out of nowhere. You'll be riding down the road by yourself, and you'll go, Woo, that was good. And to the extent that you don't run away from, you get rid of, you embrace those who you're sitting beside. Because if you don't, watch me, listen, you will stay immature. You will not grow spiritually. And then Peter says, so he says, let's go back to verse 2. I know, I know, I'm slow. Like newborn 
babies. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So that now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so, and so growth is also about what you eat. Peter says that you need to, you need to crave. You're desperate for. You have to have. Have you ever, you know, I've thought about this over the years. You know what? New parents are a little nervous about new, being new parents, right? And so as you're a brand new parent, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to mess this up. I, you know, I'm going I'm to screw this child up for life. I mean, oh, my gosh. I, I, what am I going to do? What if I mess up? I've never, not in all my years of being in the world, which is quite a few years, in all the years of my being in the world, I've never, not one single time, ever heard a new parent say, you know what, I totally forgot to feed my child. I haven't, I haven't fed my baby in a week, you know. I just, I forgot. I, I know they wasn't doing a lot of pooping. I mean, I, you know, like I forgot. You know what, you don't have to remind, be reminded. You don't have to set your watch, do you? They will let you know at 2 o'clock in the morning, they will scream and say, feed me. And they'll say, now. Right? He's saying that's how we need to crave the Word. I need it in my life, folks. I'm, so, I'm a mess. Y'all know I'm a mess. Hang around with me for a day. It'd scare you. You'd probably go to another church, probably. Boy, you need help. You're right. I do, and I'm surrounded by a lot of stones that can help me through that spiritual a spiritual walk. When I wake up in the morning, I get up early. I get up in the, in the morning, I get up early because I, I need to meet with Jesus. Now listen, I have a prayer list, and, and, I, and it takes a while to get through that prayer list. But listen, I have to start with, with, with some of his word. And I always pray. I say, God, you know, I don't, I've got several things that I do now, and and I'll say, God, I don't, I don't know exactly where to go, but, but what I, Lord, just show me something. Just speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. I mean, if you want to convict me of sin, Jonathan and I talked about this you know, a few weeks ago. And we, were, we were honest with each other. He said, dude, I'll tell you, every time I turn around, God's giving me a verse, and he's convicted me of sin. I said, hallelujah, Jesus. And I said that because I thought he'd been doing me the same thing to me. We're in the same boat. And it's awesome, Right? that we can be open and honest with each other. I need, I need God to speak to me. There, there's people, I hesitate to even say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It is the truth. There's, there's, a, there's, there's some people that are on my list that I text. Well, see, I hesitate to say this. I text every day. And, and what I text, I don't, I don't send them a prayer. I, I, you know, all that's cool. And I don't just say, hey, you know, I love you. But I send, them, I send them a verse. Sometimes, it, sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's something else. But I, send, I want to send them God's word. You know why? Because I know what some of the struggles that some of these people are going through. And sometimes I don't even know the struggle they're going through, quite honestly. And Holy Spirit will just say, you need to send, you need to send this verse to this person. And honestly, there's been times when I said, I don't know about this verse. Like, uh, can we do another verse? Like, can we do one about love? You know, that'd be awesome. Can we just do a love verse, a protection you're surrounded by? And you're, he, no, I want, you to, I, want you, I want you to send them this verse. And you have no earthly idea how people have texted me back and they've said, you have no idea. This is exactly what I needed. And it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. 
It's all about the Holy Spirit. And see, I believe we need the Word of God to encourage us, to convict us, absolutely. But to live us, lift us up, to give us hope. Ah! I get excited about the Word. I don't know if y'all can tell. I love it. I love to, I love to preach it. I love to talk about it. Jeremiah the prophet put it this way. Jeremiah 15, he said, when your words came out, I, I ate them. <laughs> and watch what he says. He said, you know what? They were my joy and my delight. The God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, wants to speak to you. It's awesome. But I found it's not just what you eat. It's not just what you eat. It's who you eat with. There's something so different about eating a meal by yourself than eating a meal with somebody. Karen and I had, we had an awesome time Friday night. We ate with some friends. And, and the food was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it really, it was awesome. Like, I probably should have stopped. But I was, Jesus was there and Fellowship was good, and I felt Holy Spirit said, go ahead, get another chip, and get a little bit of that cheese dip while you're at it. I said, well, they're paying for it. Awesome. I'm just going to get it. It was being together. Martin Lord Jones was a famous preacher in London in the 20s, 30s, and, and 40s, and it was it was during his time of preaching that the capability to record came into being. And so, so people would say, oh, listen, man, you're awesome. So we, we want to record your messages. And, and, and your messages will be for generations and generations and generations to come. You, you, your preaching <coughs> and your teaching will be preserved. And thousands or if not millions of people will be reached all over the world. But believe it or not, he resisted that. It's weird, isn't it? When I, read, when I read this, I had to go back and look again. I thought, wow, it's not anything like preachers today. It's like the thing that we want more than anything, right, is to be on the, get on the Internet. You know, we want to, and we all, and of course, it's all for great spiritual reasons. We want to reach the world for Jesus, and so we want to get the word out, and it's Instagram or whatever, you know, that stuff is that's out there. And sometimes I think, are you concerned about getting the word out or are we concerned about getting us out? So somebody asked him, why, why are you so hesitant? Does it really make sense? Why are you so hesitant? Here's what he said. He said, it's because it's not just listening to the message. It's about listening to the message together. Oh. There's times when I need to eat alone, and I do. I, every morning, I start my day. But there's times when I crave doing it together, eating together, partaking together, sharing a meal together. And I have wonderful friends and say, hey, let's get together. I just want to talk about, I want to talk about this scripture. I want, can we just dig into this? 
And it's not that one's trying to, you know, win over the other. It's, it's about feeding on the word. Y'all with me? Uh, there's some people that are at home today and you're watching. And, I, man, I'm grateful that you're watching. But I have to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's not the same as being here. Now, some of that's technology. I know. I know, and I've been told that we could certainly, uh, you know, improve things. And we'd have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to sound better on the Internet. And I just haven't been willing to spend that money. And, and I, I haven't been willing to spend that money because I feel like that we have too many needs here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's, there are needs within our church. There's needs in the community. And, and I can just never, I think, you know what? I mean, uh, I struggle with it, and, and, and the message is still out there, and I know lives are still being changed, and people get saved, and I get all that, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm glad you're watching online. Like, don't cut me off now. But I would tell you it's not the same as being here. You just can't experience what we experience in this room by yourself. It's, it's just better doing it together. Being part of a community of believers, being, is being part of, of a church, it, it, it gives you the opportunity to be a part of something that's bigger than you. So we're going to pay off the mortgage on this church this year. So have you heard? Yeah. If you're not clapping, you ain't been with us, I'm just saying. We're waiting on the, uh, we have a donor, matching donor, and so we're just waiting on him to get that finances together, and it's going to happen, and when we do, you know, we're going to party. I'm just saying. Uh, we're going to party like it's crazy. People going to ride by and say, that's a church? Have mercy. They must be having communion. And they must be drinking a lot of wine. We're going to pay it off. Here's what I want you to know. Every time you give, if, if you gave to that, whatever we called it, campaign, and, and every week that you give, don't, don't you understand you're a part of something that's bigger than you? And every single time that we meet a need that you don't, I know you don't even know about, when, when they're about to cut somebody's power off or somebody didn't have you know, money for groceries or somebody literally doesn't have a place to stay, like they're homeless and they got nowhere to go. And every single time that we are able to meet a need for every, every dollar you give, I want you to understand you're a part of something that's bigger than you. And you're a part of it. Every time someone accepts Christ, I want you to know every single time when you, when you give, you're a part of something that's bigger than you. And you say, what does my giving have to do with it? Because it enables us to do what we do. And so every time there's another soul that's been snatched out of the pit of hell. How's that for preaching right there, buddy? Every single time. You say, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I, I can't speak. You were a part of it because you gave. You think, but I just give so little. Well, you know what? It's You bring your little five loaves and two fish or your minna and saltine cracker, whatever you got. And I got mine. And then we bring it together. And then what happens is then God... He, I can tell you so many stories of how God has absolutely worked so many miracles in this place. But I don't know how 
we paid the bills. I really have no idea. Somehow, God stepped up, and, and he did the miraculous. He just, he just did things that we can't explain. And so when you, you give your part, I just want you to know that we, we all do it together. It makes a huge difference. God blesses it. It's awesome. All right, let me finish up verse 12. How about that? You thought, I never thought you'd get to verse 12. It's a miracle. You don't believe in miracles? Here you're seeing one right now. I think we should go back to verse 5. Anyway, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong. So you got that? Watch that. Let that sink in just a little bit. So you're going to live your life. You're going to try everything. You're going to try to get rid of all that sin in your life, right? You're going to get up tomorrow and you're still going to struggle. And they're going to watch you struggle. And they're going to ridicule you. They're going to make fun of you. I just want you to know it's going to be a part of everyday life. They accuse you of doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. And then the New New Living Translation says it like this. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. In other words, live, live such a beautiful life. It's such a beautiful life, a life that, that, that craves this relationship with Jesus. And so you're, you're into the Word to the best of your ability. And here's the thing, you're not perfect. And so you're able to look at your neighbors and go, foot, man, I'm no better than you. You know, you know me. You watch me. You know, I mean, there's stuff that goes on in our house that, hello, we're not real proud of. But, but here's the thing, we're in the hunt. And so we're doing everything we can. We want to be better. And you live such a beautiful, beautiful life. So that even in the face of people who mock you and ridicule you and may not even go to church with you now, and people that may not believe what you believe yet, but you live this beautiful life of mercy and grace and love that one day, one day, when they stand before God, all of that will be put together, and they'll stand before God with their lives right, their, their, their lives blessed by the power of God, washed in the blood of Jesus. Then when, and when they'll be able to look and say, you know what, the reason I'm here is because I live next to him. Now, he was a mess. I'm telling you, for a long time, man, I, I, I didn't believe anything he said. But I'm here today because of him, because of her. And I worked with them, and I did life together with them, and I'm here today because of them. All because they did life beside you. I pray that our attitude is to abstain from evil. Call evil, evil. But not shame evildoers. Does that, that offend anybody? Y'all know what I'm talking about? We're, we're going to be resident aliens. We're strangers here. But we're going to be respectful strangers, aliens. And we're, we're going to love people that we live around, but hate the sin that's destroying the lives of the people that we love. And that we, we look beyond. We don't label them. We're not attacking them. We're not attacking a group of people. That we look at people with love. And what we're thinking is, you know what? I understand how you feel. You're lost and you're looking for something. And, whoa, I got the answer. 
And you can believe me because look at my life. I'm a mess. But I found something that made a difference. I just want you to know that life's going to be hard at times. And we as followers of Jesus are going to have to stand for truth. And I'm telling you, it's going to get, I, I just, in, my, in my gut, I just feel like things are going to get bad. I really do. I'm not a glass half empty guy. I'm not. But I just think that I don't see things in our country changing. And there may become a time when we're more fed up and more made more fun of than we are now. We're going to be ridiculed and we're going to be told that we're narrow-minded in the face of all that rejection and maybe even persecution. I pray that we'll still be merciful and gracious and loving and kind and gentle. And can I just say that Jesus was setting the example of exactly how to love to his dying last breath. When Jesus was hanging on the cross with God's wrath being poured out on him, he was willingly giving his life and making it possible for us to be in a relationship with God. Why? Why? Because he loves us. I got nothing else. There is nothing else. Because he loves us. And what he wants, believe it or not, regardless of how you may think about yourself, no matter what you think you see when you look in the mirror, God wants to be in a relationship with you. He's crazy about you. The Bible says that all of our sin was laid upon him. He was pierced. He was beaten. His back was torn with a, with a whip. And the reasons that the waters of forgiveness can flow and the waters of hope can flow today is all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So if you've ever made the decision to follow Jesus, listen, this, this, should, this is what gets me every single solitary time. When I start to wobble, when I start to waver, I go back to the cross. And when I go back to the cross, what I think, I said, you know what, God, you, you knew, Jesus, when you died on the cross, you knew the worst thing I would ever do. And you said, he's going to need me. And I love him. And I want to be in a relationship with him. <laughs> Does it get any better than that? So I want to challenge you as a follower of Jesus. How you doing? How you doing? Are you growing spiritually? Are you craving the word? Do you long to be beside a bunch of other rocks where you can find accountability and love and encouragement and hope? Are you doing life alone? Oh. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe you, you hear all this and you go, wow. Are you serious? Yeah. Just, you don't know all I've done. I'm pretty sure that I got people here who've done worse. I may be that person. But I can promise you that God is crazy about you and what He desires is to be in a relationship with you. He's just waiting on you to say yes. He's just, he's just waiting on you. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. 
maybe you just pray a prayer or something like this. You would just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I am. And I can't fix myself. I've tried to be better, do better, but nothing's worked. And, and I understand that you desire, it's, it's crazy, but that you desire to be in a relationship with me. And so right now, I just want to tell you that I believe. I do believe, Jesus. I am so grateful and so thankful for what you did for me on the cross. And I believe you're alive. You were raised on the third day. And to the best of my ability right now, I just want to fully surrender my life to you. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord Jesus, You know we're a mess. You, you're the one that brought this messy group of people together. Lord, thank you for the gift that you've given us, Lord, with community. And Lord, how so many of our people, Lord, embrace community, Lord. Long for more community. God, love your word. Lord, help us to get it right. There, there, there are people that are watching. And they're not looking for our perfection, but what they're looking for is you they can see you through us. So Father, use us. And it's in your sweet name that we pray and give thanks. Amen. My name's Caitlin, and I first found out about Springwell just driving by. It seems like I pass it on my way to everything. My name is Dan, and I got connected through Celebrate Recovery. My name is Whitney Jackson, and I got connected by my parents. My name is Justin, and I got connected through the Overcomer Center in Merrickville. My name is Kaylee, and the way I got connected to Springwell was through my dad and aunt. They found this church 14 to 15 years ago, and we've been here ever since. I serve as a small group leader for the kids' ministry next door. I serve through Celebrate Recovery and the Greeters on Sunday and with the production team. I serve in the Springwell Kids and the Main Stage Worship. I serve with ushering and on CRs. I serve with the kindergarteners on Sunday mornings during 11 o'clock service. It's better when we do this together. 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 It's better when we do this together.